I'm going to invite you to listen in for me, uh, which we, we have heard from Rosie is a little bit dangerous to do. If you have your undivided attention, who knows what could happen in the next little bit. You can, you can um, carry on your conversations over tea and coffee. Do stay for that. It's my privilege uh, to speak at this baptism service, also to kick off our Advent series. Uh, our theme over Advent this year is going to be missing peace. We did um and ah, which way to spell peace. <laughs> but our Advent series is entitled Missing Peace, and it conveys the idea that Christ is the missing peace, P-I-E-C-E, that we all need in our lives. The peace that all other pieces in history are centered around. But also, he is the one who brings us peace, P-E-A-C-E. The World Cup has been a missing piece for England all of my life. <laughs> Who's excited about tonight? Uh, who doesn't care? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Oh, in this church, there are more people that don't care than care. Wow, that's interesting. Well, well stay with me. <laughs> because in a moment, I want to show you a video that is based on uh, probably the most sung song by England fans. But in what I think is quite a fun way, tells the story of Christmas. Here we go. Well, the whole nation expected, but that surely is the end. Barring some kind of a miracle, but after such high hopes, it simply it's doesn't come It's come from Rome, it's come from census, come from Rome. We're going home, we're going home. We're going, I am eight months grown, we're going. Everyone seems to know the score. The Romans win the wars. Now it's not like before, because Israel's gone and thrown it away. We got carried away, but they promised a day. Cause I remember David's line of birth Prophets kept us dreaming Heaven come to earth Son of God redeeming So many months, so many miles We've passed through many trials As the star shows the way Savior of all, he's a substitute for all the failures we fall. Our heroes, heroes, three kings on the trail. Eastern gifts are gleaming, shepherds hear the tale. Angels intervening. I mean, it's a, it's a game of two testaments, and the, the lad came through in the second half, and uh, it is coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. Go 
Great. Thank you for humouring me, those that don't love football as much. In a moment, we're going to go to the second half, I mean the second testament, and look at Luke chapter 1. If you want to follow along in the Bible, you can. If you're not used to reading the Bible, that's fine. The words will be on the screen as well. Someone can shout out a page number for me in a moment. Where is Luke chapter 1 in our Bibles? 1025. Thank you. Well, when we think about football, whether it was Gascoigne nearly sliding in, Southgate missing a penalty, or being beaten by Croatia four years ago, there has often been a sense of if only and disappointment for England. And today, we're going to meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, who, as an older couple, looked back over their lives with disappointment, with what ifs and what could have been, and a very clearly missing piece in their own life. Now, looking back at our story is a really important and helpful thing to do. It's been wonderful to hear a snippet of Isaac and Vera and Rosie's story of faith. Sometimes, come December, come the end of the year, we might reflect back over the year and all that's gone. I wonder if you ever wish if you could go back and tell yourself something that would have been helpful when you were stuck in that moment. That's kind of what we're going to do today with the story of Zachariah. I wonder if you wish that we could have said, put the penalty in the other corner. Go on holiday that week, not the one when it's raining. Get a five-year mortgage, not a two-year one. Starting secondary school is going to be okay. Moving to a new area, God's still going to provide for you. Even when you're going through a really hard time, God's got you, even when you can't feel it and see it. Knowing what you know now, I wonder what is the jigsaw piece that makes the picture make more sense as you look back. We're going to start our Missing Peace series by looking at the story of Zechariah and his wife, sometimes left out of the wider Christmas story. But this is where Luke begins to tell the story. After 400 years of radio silence for God's people and a growing longing for the Saviour to come. Coming to the end of his life, I bet Zechariah wished he could go back to the past and tell himself all that was going to happen. So today, I want to explore this story from Luke chapter 1 as we think about the missing piece past. Now, Zechariah was a Jewish priest at a time when the Romans were ruling Judea, a time of oppression, a time of hardship, a time of restrictions, and a time when the long-awaited arrival of the Messiah, the promised rescuer who God's people had been waiting for, was needed more than ever. Zechariah, along with his wife, lived a good life and followed God's laws. And he and his wife, much to their shame and disappointment, were childless. We're going to read the story bit by bit as we go through, starting from verse 5 then. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So, as older people, we're told in verse 7, I can picture them looking back over their life together. And you could well and truly say that life had been tough for them, yet they still had a sense of hope. And I think we all have 
an inkling of hope within us, a longing for hope, a longing for rescue and for help, for light, for light to break into darkness. And that's what Advent's about. I really enjoy the Advent time, a time of waiting, of expectation, and of hoping. The first thing I think that Zechariah might have said to himself, looking back once we've got to the end of our story today, is this, that despite the hardship, rescue and help and hope was coming. To varying degrees, we all have hardships in our lives, don't we? Moments of confusion, moments of disappointment, of feeling isolated. But we too can know that rescue has come and is coming. That as Vera shared, that truth can be found and that there is hope ahead. And that changes everything. One day when Zechariah was faithfully serving as priest, he was drawn to be the one to go into the temple and burn the incense, a special role that happened only once in a lifetime for a priest like Zechariah, who would go into the very center of the temple, the most holy of places. He brought with him not only his own prayers and hopes for a child, but the hopes of his people for the coming of a Messiah. From verse 8, we read, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, and all the assembled worshippers were praying outside, then angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So others were praying outside for this special moment, and the angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar. I wonder what you picture when you think of an angel. Uh, some of the discipleship groups at the last few weeks have been watching this series, The Nativity, produced by the BBC a number of years ago. Just give me a wave if you've watched this before, a few of you. I think it's really helpful. Each time we watch an episode, we kind of went back to the Bible and see how accurate it was, how much they read between the lines. But one thing that was really interesting was seeing the reaction when an angel appears in human flesh. Was this how it was? I think it may well have been the case. It explains other stories in the Bible, like when Abraham thought there were some messengers who appeared to him. And we think they were probably angels. Or when the women go to the tomb of Jesus. And in Mark's gospel, there's a description of the angel as a young man dressed in a white robe. Well, whatever the angel would have looked like, as was so often the case, the first reaction is one of fear. We continue reading from verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born." He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
This was epic in terms of both what happened, an angel appearing to Zechariah in the most special of places, and the actual message that came. I wonder what difference it would have made for Zechariah and Elizabeth through the hard, desperate years if they were to have known that despite the hardship, despite the disappointment, that good news and rescue and light and hope was coming. Sometimes when we come across characters in the Bible who suffered, it can be a reassurance and a hope to us. No doubt Zechariah and Elizabeth have been asking God, why won't you give us a child? Why won't you answer our prayers? Why do you appear to bless other people and not us? A question maybe we found ourselves asking ourselves. Well, as you think back over the past, maybe you can relate to your own hardship and questioning and suffering. I wonder if Zechariah, years later, will be able to look back and say to himself, despite the hardship, rescue was coming. In Advent, we remember that rescue has come because Jesus has come to save and forgive. Arriving after Zechariah and Elizabeth's own boy, who will prepare the way, John the Baptist. Arriving humbly in a manger, and we remember that Jesus is coming again. Rescue has come, and rescue is coming in its fullness. In our own pain and disappointment, Jesus comes to us, and Jesus will come to us again. Baptism stories like the ones that we have heard today prompt us to think of our own faith stories. Maybe we look back over hard times and felt like there was no answer, that there was nothing that was helpful. But we can learn from Zechariah's story after a hard, long life that rescue was coming. And it was going to come through Jesus, whom Zechariah's son was going to prepare the way for. And we can look forward at a time of Advent, even if we're having a hard time, that there is a promise that all things will be made new because Jesus promises to come again too. Even when it felt like God wasn't there or hearing their prayers, rescue and answered prayer was going to come for Elizabeth and Zechariah. So after many years of hardship, Zechariah and Elizabeth heard good news of a son who would play a special role. I wonder if looking back that Zechariah would want to say to himself as well that it's not too good to be true. Well, why? Because this really was his reaction. He questioned the angel. In some ways, I understand why. In verse 18, we read, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. Well, what's been promised to him is a bit out there. It's a bit bizarre. It's a bit unbelievable that his elderly wife would have a baby. No doubt after years of crying and trying and hoping and praying and longing and questioning and crying and hoping again, there is much surprise when an angel appears and says that they will have a baby. Now, uh, I think that when I meet a lot of people, they think that their baby, particularly if they're new, is probably the best one, uh, probably the most cute one, probably the one we all want to see a photo of and hear a story about. Um, I wonder if anyone recognizes this baby. 
<laughs> I have digged out a little picture of Isaac. It's great that Isaac was here even before uh, he would come out of the womb, that he was dedicated here, and it's been a joy to baptize you today. I'm sure your parents, uh, definitely when you first came out, maybe still now, uh, think that you were the best, Isaac, alongside one other, of course, Megan. Uh, but John the Baptist's parents would have had even more reason, really, when what was said by the angel about him, a really special baby who would play a crucial role. Let me just highlight some of the things that we've read. That this baby would be a joy and a delight. That this baby would take a special vow and would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This special vow was probably the Nazarite vow that you can read more about in Numbers chapter 6, if you'd like to. It was promised that this baby would help bring the people of Israel back to God and that he would prepare people for the Lord's coming. And so I can understand why Zechariah might find this history-shaping announcement a little bit unbelievable. It sounds too good to be true. Too good to happen not only in his day, but through his family. But it wasn't too good to be true. His son would be John the Baptist, who would go ahead of Jesus to prepare the way and call people back to follow God and his ways. As parents, no doubt it wouldn't have been easy. Now, I don't know how long they lived for, but assuming they lived to see some of the things John the Baptist did, it wouldn't have been easy to follow John the Baptist's story as he grew up and went to live in the desert eating locusts and honey, calling people back to God, being criticized, imprisoned, and eventually even beheaded. But this announcement was the missing piece that Zechariah and Elizabeth had longed for, both in their life as a couple, but also in his priestly role. This was the hope of God's people. It's not too good to be true, Zechariah. Today, we've heard stories of individuals coming to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And at times, maybe as we hear this story that they believe in, that we believe in, maybe we doubt and think, could this really be true for me? Is it too good to be true? It's too good to be true that Jesus really came for me. It's too good to be true that that I can be forgiven. It's too good to be true that even I can know God. It's too good to be true that the God of the whole universe who made the mountains and the thunderstorms, that he hears my prayer and wants me to know him. Well, the angel Gabriel reassured Zechariah that it wasn't too good to be true. We read on, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. But now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
So, Zechariah's lack of faith cost him his voice temporarily. It was restored at the naming ceremony of his son, John. You can read that in verse 64 of Luke chapter 1. Looking back, one final thing I wonder if he would have said to himself. Respond with faith. Easier said than done in hindsight, isn't it? In the hard moments, in the dark moments, it's not always easy to do that. But I wonder if, knowing what he knew at the end, he would have said this. Why? Well, because this promise did become true. Elizabeth did become pregnant. It was in her words, verse 25, the Lord who has done this for me. It was he who'd shown favor and taken away her disgrace. In baptism, we celebrate all that God has done for us in taking away any sense of disgrace or shame that we might have from our past. Symbolically, we leave shame and disgrace in the grave of the baptism pool or the sea or the river, wherever one gets baptized. And Jesus has done this for us. Any sense of disgrace or shame that others have put on us or from what we've done or not done ourselves, he has dealt with this. Jesus has done this for us. John was the forerunner who came to prepare the way and Jesus came to deal with any sense of guilt and shame. And we can receive a fresh start and forgiveness from that by ourselves responding with faith, faith in Jesus who died and rose again. I wonder if Zechariah, looking back, would say, respond with faith, trust the angel. I wonder, looking back in your past, what you would want to say to yourself as a kid, as a young person, as an adult in a hard moment, not seeing the whole big picture, maybe we want to encourage ourselves gently to say, respond with faith. God has got this. God has got you. You can trust God too, even in the hard moments. So as we look back at this story, we can see God's plan coming about through Zechariah and Elizabeth. We can see the missing pieces that Zechariah couldn't see, but that he and his wife and God's people had been longing for. Maybe we're reminded of the peace that was missing in our past. We can say to one another today at the start of Advent that despite the hardship, rescue is coming. That the good news about Jesus is not too good to be true. And we can encourage each other to respond with faith again. After Zechariah gets his voice back, when his boy is named eight days old, he does respond with faith and praise. And we can read about that later on in Luke 1 from verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah praised God because God had come to his people to redeem them. John the Baptist was going to prepare the way. Jesus was going to come after. Zechariah praised God because his son was preparing the way and the offer of forgiveness of sins was coming. And we remember Advent that the true one who would bring peace was on his way. We're going to look forward to celebrating that in all sorts of different ways as a church. Do think about who you might want to invite to come and celebrate with us, to hear that story that doesn't know this for themselves. We also remember at Advent, the time of longing, of waiting, of expecting that Jesus is the one who's going to come again and make all things new. And so as we look back and celebrate what God has done in saving Isaac and Rosie and Vera for all who put their faith in Jesus. We remember that despite the hardship, rescue is coming. But the good news about Jesus is not too good to be true. It's for each and every one of us. And that we can respond with faith. We can respond like Zechariah did in the end with trust and praise for the God who saves through Jesus. The question is, will you do that? again today. I'm going to lead this in a prayer if the band wants to come and join us again. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to say thank you that you are the good news that we all need. That in coming and dying and rising again, you promise and offer to take away any sense of shame and guilt from our past, whether that's been put on us by others or whether we know that to be true from things we've done or haven't done. And we take a moment afresh to say, sorry, we need your forgiveness. We turn to you. We place our trust in you, Jesus. And we thank you that despite any hardships or trauma or disappointments or mess-ups, that you still came to save and rescue and you promised to do it again. Thank you, this is not too good to be true. And we choose today to respond with praise and trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.